This is episode 569 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. Today's article, 10 Survival Lessons from the Unthinkable, Who Survives When Disaster Strikes and Why. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the podcast. Hey, before we get started, I want to read a quick review from George Paulson. Hey, he says, new to the podcast, just a couple of weeks in. Enjoy listening while working at home and on the road. Great information. Keep it up and God bless. Well, George, thanks so much for leaving that review, that five-star review. I greatly appreciate it. It means a whole lot to me. And thanks for doing that. Hey, guys, you might have noticed the quality of the podcast, the sound over the last couple of days has really been changing. I've been working with just my setup here uh, in my office and trying to trying to get the best setup for myself. And it always it usually doesn't. It's not working, is what I'm trying to say here. Uh, you know, I will set it up and it sounds really good at first, and then I go ahead and record the podcast. And when I finish and I'm editing, I'm like, man, I don't like that sound. It just doesn't sound right. Um, But by that time, it's late and I've already done the podcast. I'm like, you know, I'm not going to stay up even later to uh, to re-record it and and play around with the different settings and things like that uh, just because it's crazy. But I'm actually so if you can imagine, I am in my office. I have a stand up desk. If you've ever seen any of the videos that I do and I'm kind of standing up in front of the computer with the with the fake shiplap in the background, that is uh, that's my office, right? And so I'm normally standing up. Right now I'm standing up. And so it seems to be just a little bit better as far as the quality and me being able to talk into the mic appropriately. And I just hope this works out. You know, I hope I don't get to the end of this podcast episode and, and then get to the, you know, the editing part. I'm like, man, that didn't work either. But as of right now, as I'm testing it out and doing all that, it sounds really good. So I'm hoping that, uh, you know, I have found the way to do uh, the episodes from here on out so I can get that quality sound that I'm, I'm trying to bring to you. All right, so let's go ahead and jump into our article of the podcast. It comes to us from thesurvivalmom.com. And the title is 10 Survival Lessons from the Unthinkable, Who Survives When Disaster Strikes and Why? And actually, this is a review of a book, but there's some really good stuff in here. Again, those 10 survival lessons, I really thought it was great. And so normally I wouldn't do like a review of a book, but the author added a lot of information here to this article. So I think you're going to really enjoy this one. Let's go ahead and dig in. Do you know your disaster personality? Survival lessons from the unthinkable help teach everyday people about their disaster personality, among other survival lessons. We have seen with our own eyes or on the news the unthinkable scenarios of terrorist attack, earthquakes, fire, and tsunamis. Is there a way to know how you personally would react in these situations? How can you train yourself to give you the best chance of survival? In The Unthinkable, Who Survives When Disaster Strikes and Why?, journalist Amanda Ripley investigated how humans respond to major disasters and what they did that gave them the ability to survive. She looks at the attacks on September 11, 2001, hurricanes, 
being a hostage, a stampede, a school shooting, and a plane crash, all while exploring what made the difference between some people surviving and others not. There are three main parts to a person's reaction to a disaster, denial, deliberation, and decision. In the denial stage, people may gather belongings while they should evacuate. During deliberation, some people may let fear take a hold of them or just go with whatever the crowd is doing. And when decision time comes, some people freeze up or panic while others act. While the unthinkable is full of survival tips, the best part of the book is examining your own tendencies and figuring out your own survival personality. Just knowing and being aware of how you would react in a disaster may give you enough insight to be someone who survives. So here are 10 survival lessons from The Unthinkable. Below are 10 lessons I learned from reading the book along with a question or two to help you to examine your own survival personality. So number one, denial and delay go hand in hand. Even in the midst of a disaster, many people don't believe that whatever is happening could truly be happening to them. It hasn't happened to anyone they know, so it can't really be happening. In a millisecond, they are deep in denial. This often leads people to wait until someone in authority tells them what to do or confirms or denies the severity of the event. In the World Trade Center building on September 11, 2001, there were cases of people wandering around their offices and packing up their bags before finally leaving the building. They delayed leaving because of denial. For some people, though, denial can enable them to act because they would be paralyzed if they were faced with the awful reality of what was happening. Knowing if you would succumb to denial and or delay your reaction to a disaster can help you think ahead to how you really should react. Honestly, do you think a disaster could really happen to you? Would you take actions right away or wait for authority to confirm the situation? Have you ever done a risk assessment to determine which disasters are more likely? Here's a risk assessment worksheet for you to do just that. So guys, the cool thing at the very end of each little section, you know, one through 10, like uh, she said here in the article, there's going to be some questions that you, uh, that, you know, you can kind of reflect on. And then the other thing that I like that they do here in this article, is they provide you with a bunch of links. So uh, just FYI on that one, this probably is going to be one, if you're interested in, in the material that you're going to want to link to. All right, so number two, the second lesson is we often or we don't often make true risk assessments. Do you know if you live in a flood zone or near an earthquake fault? Many people in the new Madrid fault zone don't have earthquake insurance. Yet in 1811 and 1812, there were three earthquakes in that area above a seven magnitude. The new Madrid fault zone is where Missouri, Arkansas, Illinois, Kentucky, and Tennessee meet. An earthquake will happen again in that area, yet many people who live there don't include it in their risk assessments because it hasn't happened in the recent past. The same holds true for residents in places that have 500-year floods. In 2011, floods covered major highways in Iowa, Missouri, and Nebraska for several weeks. It was a known risk, but not expected by most people. So do you not only know, but believe the true risk you face where you live, work, and travel? Number three is your response to fear is a critical factor. Fear can either cripple or energize people, and the response can make a huge difference in survival. The emotional response to a situation is often the first and biggest response. Just knowing this can give you an edge in a disaster. 
Recognizing emotion for what it is can allow a person to move on to evaluate the situation in a more orderly way and then figure out how to deal with the situation. Our bodies have limited resources and when emotions are in control, it can be hard to do things as simple as putting on a life vest or finding an exit. Regain control by handling the fear. Learn this 16-second survival breathing technique to help your body and mind regain focus of your emotions so you're more able to make rational, smart decisions. Do you have a fight, freeze, or flight response when you're afraid? The fourth lesson is this. Some people are just different. Members of the specialized military units like Special Forces and Navy SEALs seem to be a different kind of human, and they actually, or mostly are, in how their brains function in high-stress scenarios. Most of these men tend to not disassociate during high-stress events like most people do. A study confirmed this. Even the size of a person's hippocampus, a part of the brain, can determine how a person is affected by trauma. It can be measured by an MRI. However, one consolation to biology is that most disasters happen to groups of people, so you don't have to rely solely on yourself. So do you disassociate often? This includes feeling like things happen in slow motion, that things are unreal or dreamlike, or that you're separated from what's happening, like watching a movie. The fifth lesson is practice in groups, but don't follow groups blindly. Langai is a village on an island that faced the 2004 tsunami, and everyone on it survived. They had learned from a 1907 tsunami how many people could die. So they always went to higher ground as a village anytime there was an earthquake. Their practice saved their lives. Groupthink can be good in situations like that, where responses to disasters are practiced like fire and evacuation drills. However, when groups are responding blindly without any rational thought or a trained leader, don't blindly follow along. Offices that practiced drills on September 11th knew to evacuate going down the stairs. Offices that didn't have some people climb up the stairs and become trapped. Do you practice survival drills with your family, friends, and neighbors? Here are some tips for safety drills for the whole family. The sixth lesson is panicking is the worst thing you can do. Stampedes causing many casualties can all be traced back to one person panicking. Panicking is when a person loses his or her sense of reality in a situation. It's anxiety at its peak level. Instead of feeling crowded when bumped in a large crowd, some people assume something bad is happening and act based on panic. Then a domino effect happens and a stampede begins when there was actually nothing wrong in the first place. People who have high daily anxiety levels are most likely to panic. These people sometimes remove scuba masks when underwater or oxygen mask in a fire. Try to focus on reality when feeling a sense of being trapped, helpless, or alone. So how do you react when you feel trapped, helpless, or alone? Those are the feelings that lead to panic. Here are safety tips for dealing with a panicky crowd and for avoiding panic yourself. Number seven, our body's instincts can take over. Knowing what our bodies can instinctively do during disasters can help you know what is happening and not get frightened by your own reactions. During disasters, some people have gone temporarily blind, have lost control of bodily functions, have lost memories, and have even faced paralysis. It happens in the animal kingdom as well. You may experience this or see other people experience this during a disaster. It can be life-saving during a school shooting or fatal in a fire. Know and watch, but don't panic over it. 
Can you see yourself losing a function of your body during a disaster? How would you react if you couldn't see or move? All right. I don't know why as I was reading this one, I was thinking about those videos that uh, people take of themselves or maybe it's just part of uh, the roller coaster or, you know, the 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 ride or whatever, but people are on it. And then there's always someone who passes out. I mean, I know that you've probably seen those before. Uh, if, if you're on social media or on YouTube or whatever, they're pretty funny because people are like, they're screaming and then all of a sudden they pass out and then they all of a sudden wake up and they start screaming again and then they pass out. So they're kind of funny, but that would be one of the examples of your body instincts where I guess you have become so paralyzed that, or so, fear ridden that you you wind up passing out so um, that might be a good thing or a bad thing but anyway uh, that's uh, one example that I was thinking about as I was reading that one there all right so number eight is a hero is not always selfless what makes someone act heroically while other people stand by and watch it can actually be selfish motivations instead of selfless ones some feel like that role is expected of them while others couldn't live with themselves if they didn't act that way some even save others because that's what their parents would expect of them. Having a motivation to help others already in place, though, is what makes people act quickly to save others. Even dive into freezing water to save plane crash victims. So what motivation do you have to help others? Is it good enough to risk your own life? Then number nine is practice, practice, practice. Survivors of disasters are often the ones who practiced, the ones who did the office evacuation drills, the ones who took school lockdown drills seriously, the one who read the emergency guide in the plane, and the ones who evacuate at every hurricane. Practice is what can help overcome instincts that could lead you to do the wrong thing in a disaster. Practice can reduce the amount of time you spend in denial and delaying and get you to take action quicker. Practice will help you face reality and recognize your disaster personality. So what drills do you practice often? What ones do you need to practice? And then number 10, you can change your disaster personality. The first step of changing anything is awareness. Take time to get to know who you are in a disaster and then identify ways you want to change. Taking a deep breath, saying a mantra, Thinking of your family can all be tools to get you from one mindset to another. The more you learn and practice, the more you will feel in control of the situations you may face. Some simple steps such as taking the stairs where you work once a week or always taking the stairs down after you check into a hotel room will change how well you are able to face a disaster. What is one thing you know you would like to change about your disaster personality? So take a few minutes to read this article by the author of The Unthinkable and learn more about your disaster personality. All right, guys, so that's it for this article. I think this was pretty interesting here. Uh, you know, 10 survival lessons and things that you can start to apply. If you've been preparing for a while and you've read articles and you've been listening to podcasts and, and you've been in the community for a while, you probably, I mean, you know all these things. These things start to, to come into play. But there's a lot of people out there who are new to preparedness. But even at that, some of these things are, are pretty helpful, right? And so being able to move in, in 
uh, a disaster is going to be very important. Sometimes how quickly you move could be the difference between life and death. And we're not talking about the big old, you know, uh, biker zombie zombies from Mars or whatever. You know, I mean, we're just talking about everyday things. I mean, even being, you know, on the road and seeing something happen right in front of you. And maybe you're on the freeway, you're driving 60, 70 miles an hour, and you're on the freeway and you see something happen in front of you and being able to not disassociate or, you know, just kind of like you know, go into your little bubble, you're able to see that, hey, this is a big thing going on. You you can make a quick move to the left or to the right. And, and even that would mean like checking your mirrors really quickly and moving, right? And so you have those things and avoiding other people in a in a you know in a crash kind of situation right um, knowing that the weather is or the the weather is starting to get bad and the the floodwaters are rising and being able to make quick decisions for uh, your family and it might not be life and death it could be maybe you're saving yourself a lot of money right because you're saving things from uh, your household maybe some family heirlooms you know um, there was I remember when uh, my parents' neighborhood flooded when I was a kid. Well, I, I wasn't a kid. I was already married, and I was already out of the house. But their next-door neighbors, they panicked, right? So they they just they didn't do anything. So when the floodwater started coming in, and they got maybe like about a foot inside of their house, and so when the floodwater started coming in, they panicked, and they lost like all their furniture and all this kind of stuff, whereas my parents, as they saw the floodwaters coming, they're like, we got to do something, so they started stacking up the things that were important to them, you know, up high, they started stacking up, you know, their, the, you know, like, the the family dinner table you know the solid wood one that's older than me right and they've had it all these years and so they started doing all those things and saved the things that were important to them and that's you know you can it could be something as simple as that it doesn't have to be you know the the end of the world as we know it but anyway a lot of information here and it's really really good i would suggest that you go and check it out and maybe even check out that book unthinkable and there might be some good things in there that you might find definitely worth going over to Amazon and checking out the reviews and things like that. Well, everyone, that is it for this article, 10 Survival Lessons from the Unthinkable Who Survives When Disaster Strikes and Why over at thesurvivalmom.com. Like always, I'm going to link to it in the show notes and you can click over. There's, like I said, a lot of links here on this one that you might want to go check out. Might want to check out your disaster personality and see how you line up there. That might be uh, one that you definitely want to visit. Well, that's it for episode 569 and another week of podcast episodes in the books. Hey, thanks so much for hanging out. And don't forget, if you're looking for more preparedness information, PrepperWebsite.com is always linking to articles, the best of the best that's out there. And you can come over to Prepper Website and get your fill of preparedness. Not only do we have preparedness articles on the front, uh, front page, but we also have other pages like the Alt News Hub, Frugal Living, uh, Firearms, DIY, even Conspiracy Theories if you want to go that route. 
And so, you know, there's a lot of information there and a lot of ways for you to up your game in in preparedness. And if you're not subscribed to the email list, hey, I've made it really easy for you. There's a link in the show notes uh, where you can just kind of click on and go subscribe really quickly. And every Saturday, I send out the Saturday prep and that is just you know great information uh, that you can you know while you're drinking your coffee on Saturday morning you you can go check out a podcast go check out a video go check out an, an article that I found throughout the week that I thought was interesting and maybe even one from the archives uh, you know those really seem to be pretty popular with people those actually are the ones that people click on the most those. Uh, articles from the archives, right? They they want to know that preparedness, that specific preparedness stuff. And I really try to, you know, pick out really good ones for that. So that's the email list. There's from time to time, I send out things like on Tuesday morning, usually, but um, not always. And there's just, that's the easy way to communicate with you. And so if you're not on the email list, I would greatly recommend that you come on over. I do not spam. I do not sell my list. I do not let other people come on and sell things through my email list. I get asked that over and over again every single week, and I just turn people away. Actually, a lot of the times I just delete their emails because I'm like, I don't even give them the time of day because that's not something that I ever want to do. So you know that if you're getting an email from me, it is coming directly from me and not anyone else. Hey, and so don't forget, if you are new to the podcast and you have not subscribed, then go to your podcast catcher, whatever that might be, Apple Podcasts, Google Play. There's so many different uh, podcast catchers out there, Stitcher and Spotify, TuneIn. We're on all of them. And so you can search for the Prepper Website Podcast and we'll come up and make sure you subscribe to us. And that way you never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. And take a moment to connect with me. Like I said, I have a link in the show notes for you to join the Prepper website email. And with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government, grid, or the grind. Until next week, stay prepped and aware. Peace.